Hello and welcome to Northumberland FA's podcast from the sidelines. We're delighted to welcome Bev Priestman, Canada Women's National Team Head Coach, as our guest today. Uh, very much appreciate your time, Bev, especially with the time difference and, and your busy schedule. No, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me. Um, I'd love to start by uh, getting a snapshot of your coaching journey and your current role. Yeah, I mean, obviously from the northeast, from concert in in County Durham, um, I probably realised I wasn't going to make it as a player at the top level, um, and so very quickly got my coaching badges, my UA for B, UA for A, um, went to John Moore's University, worked with Everton ladies there, and then I've sort of been all around the globe. You know, I've been to New Zealand, worked with with New Zealand, Canada. Um, with their youth teams and then back to England I worked with the Lionesses with with Phil Neville for the 2019 World Cup I was there for three years um, and then came back and and got the senior job here in Canada so I would say quite like a diverse coaching experience from working with youth right way through senior different countries different culture Um, but yeah absolutely loving where I am now. Brilliant brilliant I guess you know the nice question to kind of lead on with is uh What's probably one of your most favourite moments working in female football? I think I've got two. I think obviously I can't, the gold medal was like amazing. It still hasn't quite sunk in. You didn't have fans there. Even before the game, I'm thinking I'm in the final of an Olympic Games, but it didn't quite feel like that, which was a good thing. It helps manage the moment. I think that was definitely one. And then I think, you know, for me working with, your own team with England and singing your national anthem and you know the the moments that we shared in the World Cup um in 2019 you you know we just had the time of our lives and and then you go and play at Wembley in front of 55,000 um you know going to Wembley Stadium again for someone who grew up in England so I think like many many moments and they're the big moments but actually it's the little moments that you spend with your team with your staff um on the road you know that's often part of the journey not really the destination but um yeah that they'd probably be too yeah and you just mentioned there about being away especially with the team and I guess there's probably a lot of things you learn on the job in terms of that team environment um is there any like little things that maybe stand out that you've looked back and thought oh well that was something I wasn't expecting I'd have to put time towards yeah, well, I think my big, if I go back to the younger Bev Priestman when I was working like with, with youth and to where, you know, where I've been in this past year, I think the biggest thing I would say is I realise how big team culture is and not just the X's and O's on the pitch. Of course, at this level, that's really important. But I would say like setting a vision, having everyone buy into a vision, which for us was changing the colour of the medal because Canada had gone bronze, bronze and we went and did that and changed the colour to gold. But I would say like setting a really good team culture and then underneath that was like team values that we, you know, we lived to every day that meant something. It wasn't just words on a wall. I think particularly international football, when you don't have a team together every day, that's critical to have everyone facing the same direction. And I think you look at big teams and big moments like Leicester City always comes to mind. Not necessarily the biggest 
best team in the in the league but went to win it and I would say to do that you've got to have an unbelievable team spirit and culture and chemistry to be able to go and do that so that would be my biggest thing that maybe when I started out coaching you just think about the actual football on the pitch I think at this level it's much more than that. Yeah no I appreciate that um, so I, I watched a, uh, an interview and again I think it was when you were at youth level with Canada with the under 15 squad and it was post-match in a CONCACAF game against Haiti, and you mentioned about inspiring a nation. Um, what are some of the best ways to inspire like the next generation of girls playing football? Yeah, I think there's many ways, and I think obviously winning helps because they can see it, they dream, they, they want to be it. But I think actually like the values which you demonstrate in the way that like players, coaches are, I think... I look at my captain in Canada, Christine Sinclair, all-time leading goal scorer, the most humble, great Canadian human being you can ever meet. Not arrogant, not... And so for me, actually, like, living values every day and how you come across can really, like, inspire... uh, Not only inspire through football, but also, um, I guess, demonstrate a way of operating in life. Because I think in football... It's a team sport. You learn so many different values and how to work with others. And there's all of the different things that I think football, it's why it's the most popular sport, because it, it just brings so much more than just kicking a football around. Um, I think that's one. And then if I look at myself, I didn't really realise it, but you go and be successful, you get that gold medal. I think a female coach doing that goes and inspires more female coaches to be that. And I think I didn't really not value it but I didn't probably see it's worth until it actually happened and then you you have a lot of young female coaches reaching out who want to go and pursue their dreams and I think being successful helps you do that but what people need to know is it's not all success that road was very windy and there's been some dark moments along the way but you keep persevering. Yeah and that's quite interesting you mentioned about um the path to, to getting success in particular the gold medal um, which will be great to touch on in a bit just keeping with the focus with the like girls and the pathway um appreciate obviously Canada women's have a distinct excel program as do on the men's with 15 17s and 20s uh with the game constantly growing and developing have you seen a growth of this program within your role at national team level yeah absolutely I think um what I would say is Canada now has more uh, players playing professionally and getting college scholarships than they ever have before. So I think if that's a little bit of a benchmark, that tells you that we, we've got more players playing, their pathway is clearer, so then we're, they're obviously better as well and they're going on to do great things overseas. Um, but I think I look at England and I, I look at their pathway and, and what an opportunity to grow up in that country like I grew up playing football on the street with the boys around the corner. There wasn't necessarily for a female player back then that really like distinct, clear pathway. Mm-hmm. I think um, having that clear really helps develop young players, their commitment, because they know they can reach it, they can see it, they can believe it. Um, but yeah, our investment in youth has really paid off. You you look at the team that just went and won that gold. We invested in them players from the age of 15, 13. We even um, accelerated them. So if they were really good at 15s, we put them in the under 17s to really test 
and challenge them players to basically help them get as many experiences as they could before they reach the women's national team. Fantastic. I guess just to delve into that programme, what would like a typical um, period of contact time or camp look like with those that are at those age groups? Yeah, so basically in Canada, we have what we call regional Excel centres. So I guess that would be a little bit like what I knew was the centre of excellences, maybe. But it, there's less of them. So we have a lot of players, a big country. But what we've done is we put the best with the very best. And so we have them operating in every province. But then we have these super centres, which is in the three main provinces. And then players are in there full time, um, five days a week, playing against boys, You know, they have full-time goalkeeping coaches, performance analysts, coaches, and they are delivering an aligned curriculum from top to bottom. So, you know, these are our principles, etc. They get exposed to that every day. So that's their daily training environment. And then at youth level for international, we pull the best out of them centres and we'll go and have like a 10-day camp or get exposure to some international fixtures. Then obviously World Cup qualification and World Cup. Fantastic. I get that stems back down to that clear vision and then how that filters down all the way through coaching programs for each age group which is which is great um it's quite unique obviously it's quite a vast landscape with canada and america um how do you think we can best promote female football in england or in canada yeah so in both so i guess canada would be a good example but also here where i'm based in england yeah, I think um, I do think like you've got to you've got to see a good product. It would be my number one thing. So the more that football can be on TV, the more there's a really and it's always at the top end. So you get to see a great product. Like I watch the WSL at the weekend. You know, you go and watch the the standard, and it's unbelievable. So for me, I think having role models is important. Putting a great product on and, and putting that out there as much as you can. And, you know, open training sessions, like all of those sorts of things, I think make it really attractive, not only young girls, but the decision makers in their household is their mum and dad. You know, they want to know that it's a it's a good environment that's been offered to these players. So I think good product, role model um, and, and easy, accessible pathways. I think that's the biggest thing. Make it hot. Make it hard not to do. Um, because I think you do that and you know what it's like. You just have to go to a local session, get a great coaching experience and you've got them hooked. Like I've got a little three-year-old yep. boy. He's on week four of his first football experience and they've tailored it to the age of him. They haven't tried to structure it and, you know, do do difficult things. So for me, it's it's also given a great first experience where you hook them in. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I love how you put it about uh, make it difficult for them not to be able to take part and mm-hmm access which is great you also mentioned there about role models which again leads us nicely on to the next one um and it's something that's very much talked about nowadays amongst coaches and especially with their journeys is there a particular female role model that's inspired you yeah i think the only real for me growing up again it was you know a different era but more marley who was at everton being in england i actually went full circle and worked with her again when i was back recently for 2019 but yeah I think she was my first sort of person that I actually won I knew of her so that was the first thing it would have been Hope Powell, Mo Marley they were the two in my era when I went to John Moore's university I ended up emailing her 
I went down to Everton's session and I was there like six days a week just watching and eventually she put her trust in me to, you know, he's the warm-up, he's and you get little bits and bobs. But for me, it was it was her and, and still is. And it's not just, I guess, the profile of her, but I think the way in which she operates. What I've seen with Mo is great coach, has won things, which is important, but I think the way in which she goes about it, she was a youth coach for England and a lot of the players she's worked with have gone on and gone to the very top. And I would say she was like a hard coach, you know, a coach that um, for youth players is really important so that when they get to the highest level, they've, they've got that sort of discipline and understand what high performance looks like. So, yeah, more Marley for me, for sure. And there's probably similar traits between her and, I know you referenced Christine Sinclair, all-time leading goal scorer. Yes. Humbles being one. Um, what are maybe some of the, the standout characteristics that, you're seeing in more that you think I like that I'm going to try and make that something that I do each and every yeah. day and and exactly that you said the word humble I know that more was offered the England you know doesn't want to be in the spotlight wants to be the hard working one behind the scenes and that's another trait I would say like massively hard working probably paid out of her own pocket to keep Everton women's alive back in the day and um, you know so humble hard working um, I think what I would say is more always see something in someone. So she did as me and invested in me. And I think overall wants the women's game to be in the best place it can be. And anyone that she sees who can contribute to that or has good character, she'll always give them a chance. And I've seen a mentor help many young coaches along the way, regardless of what she's achieved. And um, that's probably three of the main things for me. Yeah. And it's great. You mentioned there about, um, just being given a chance, that, that I guess, um, that feeling that someone's took a little bit extra time to to let you showcase whether you as a player or as a coach. Um, I, I guess that is something that is, it is an experience that you want to give to other people when you're in a similar position. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I think of like, as particularly females, but as coaches, we've got to, sometimes you see people who want to hold people back. I always think like, we're all trying to get to the same outcome in terms of making the game better. Um, and I'm like, even now, there's one of my staff, a young female who I see huge potential in. Um, I want to do everything I can to make them the best that they are, exactly like Mo Marley did with me. She gave me the opportunity. And by all means, I had to show my hard work, my investment and all the rest of us for her to give me that chance. But I think when you see something in someone, you you got to give them a shot. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, so a fantastic coaching career today, if you don't mind us saying. <laughs> um, progressing through national team age groups, the sort you work with the likes of both Phil Neville and uh, Concert Double Act with uh, John Herdman. What are some of the main takeaways that you know you've learned when working both with both uh, Phil and John? I think the first takeaway is the totally different coaches and probably had totally different experiences. So you look at Phil, he's played under the probably the greatest manager that's ever been in in Alex Ferguson um, and, and been on a, a stage that, you know, I can only ever dream of doing. And then you've got John, who is the hardest working person I know, um, has defied all odds to go on and be incredibly successful. And when I say defied all odds, you know, not maybe not now, but maybe 10, 15 years ago, you had to have played at the highest level or that was the view 
to, to go on and make a great coach and he's forged his own path and gone a different route so the first thing I would say is like not every successful coach or great coach is the same and do things the same way and I worked for John for nine years full time so I only ever knew one way of doing it then I went and worked with Phil and seen a completely different way of doing it and my sort of benefit in that is I've had two very different mentors that I now have got my way of doing it you know and that takes time to develop and understand um but yeah totally totally two different coaches that have done great things yeah and amazing being from the northeast myself as well seeing or just you know seeing two coaches from concert which is you know 30 minutes up the road uh, the smallest town you've ever seen yeah <laughs> smallest and coldest <laughs> um no brilliant and something I know you mentioned before about uh career achievements with with the Olympic goal but I guess before I touch on to that just going back to the work that you did with both John and Phil um was there some things that like you know surprised you with the way they did things or how they coached or what they coached that have kind of you know you've stolen you used in your coaching nowadays yeah I think again two different ways of doing it but I think with John that's probably my foundation when you work for someone like nine years you're immersed with John, you work 80 hour weeks, so you have to put in the hard yards, you know, high pressure. Um, and I think if you can survive that, you can survive anything. I think that's probably my biggest schooling was like definitely. And, and there's only like you set your own limits. So I would say the reason John is where he is now is because he's defied all limits and he'll work harder than any other coach he's coming up against. With John, he was very big on culture, vision, which is probably what I I'm also big on like beyond the tactics. Don't get me wrong, unbelievable coach too. But I would say that is is the biggest thing I've taken from John. With Phil, I think I brought a little bit more of seeing the world through a player's eyes. Um, and so bringing them two together is really important. So with Phil, very much um, like about in sessions about flow. You know, like I, coming from John, I would have stopped it a lot more. It would have been a lot more, you know, if you talk about old school sort of stop stand still that's type of coaching with Phil being in the men's game day-to-day work is a lot more about flow touches on the ball smaller pitches like I would say very much about that um and and even that attacking I guess Manchester United way although looking how many goals we scored in open play in the Olympics you might argue the other way but um yeah I would say that, that viewing the world through a coach's uh, through a player's eyes he's brought that lens to me a little bit more in the sense of like what would the players need what do they need on match day minus one what do they need on match day minus two etc I think his own experiences um for sure yeah no it's great to hear that trying to get that balance is is always a challenge of what players want and need um Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's great to hear that that's still a challenge at international level um so to talk about the olympic medal uh with with Canada, obviously quite testing that in the penalty shootout uh, against Sweden and Tokyo. So can you tell us what it was like and just the whole experience, particularly on that night? Yeah, I think to give some context in COVID, in football, in the Olympics, you basically could only go from your hotel to the training ground, but you weren't allowed to leave your hotel. And we'd had that all the way through up until you got to the final where we were then in the Olympic Village, which you were allowed outside. So the first thing I would say is 
I didn't realise it, but you know, you imagine two, three weeks just in a small dingy hotel, go to train and come back, and you're expected to perform. But I think the team spirit of the group it actually helped us because we loved being together. Um, but anyway, so when we got out of that setting and went into the village, I made everyone take the day off. Like I'm like, we need to decompress because actually getting to that final took so much out of us. Don't know if you're aware, but Canada beat the US for the first time in like 20 years. It'd never been done. So for a lot of my players, Christine Sinclair, for example, it was like her final. We just won the final in their eyes. And so I knew the energy it had taken out of them. So I gave them that extra day off going into this final. But I think we'd done a lot of work on penalties. So this is the sort of little details that I think really matter in the biggest moments. We did a whole process on what our team penalty structure would look like, not just taking the penalty, but the process around collecting the player who takes the penalty, what the goalkeeper does, what we say when we come in a huddle, like all of them little things. So because we won the penalty shootout against Brazil, when we were in extra time against Sweden, I almost was like eager at that point for the penalties to come. And you'll have seen, but like we missed, yeah, it wasn't a great penalty shootout. I'm sure there was someone up there looking out for us, but our goalkeeper had been unbelievable all tournament. The minute she made that save towards the end, I'm like, right, we can actually do it. If you're asking me what it's like as a coach, it's terrifying, as you know. Um, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, you can't ask for any more sort of nerves and things that go with that big, big moment. I just wish there was fans there that we could celebrate it with, because I think it would have sunk in by now, which it hasn't. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. It's brilliant listening to it because you can see the highlights and stuff. But um, getting that real perspective from yourself is brilliant. A lot of those that listen will listen to the podcast or working on the ground and grassroots level. Um, so just that managing emotion and, I guess, nerves, whether it be working with a young girls team, etc. What are maybe some of the little tips that coaches listening can, can go and use on a weekend? Yeah, I think, like for me personally, and again, it's all different levels, but there's two things that I had mastered by the Olympics to help me. I think the first thing is process-driven, not outcome um, if I go into every game thinking about the outcome, I'd be a nervous wreck. So for me, it's focusing on the little behaviours. So we had some really clear behaviours that no matter what formation we played, whatever the opposition was, it was part of our DNA. And one of them, I'll give you an example to try and bring some life. Every recovery runs a sprint. That was our sort of tagline for out of possession. So no one was ever going to outrun us. And so focusing on these behaviours, which we knew would lead to winning, we did. So focusing on the process. And then the second thing is I kept my same match day, minus one, minus two, minus three routine. So I always knew that on match day minus one, I had nothing new to teach the players. I got my energy back as a coach and I was ready to perform when they really need me, which is on game day. So I think like getting a set routine for both players and staff is really, really important. Like what does the warm up look like? That routine helps people perform. Yeah, yeah, no, I like that. And and certainly that performance driven over particularly outcome, I think when coaches I listen probably resonates with those that have found a bit more success in seeing bits of training come out in games on a weekend, regardless of age or ability. Um and, and I guess that's another great point, which is great hearing that, you know, trying to get some familiarity. So 
particularly like the warm up, it's consistent with each week. And if there is a yeah. change, like it's a it's a minimal change, but then you stick with that change. Um, so what would be some of you know some of your advice to female coaches listening who are maybe starting out on their journey, so a little bit earlier in the in that process? I think like believing in yourself, that would be the one thing that I think we're guilty of as as females is, you know what, it's like you you ask any, if you're in a coaching course with men and women, and you'll know this for you delivering them, you ask a question, the men will put their hand up straight away, I know the answer, um, but I think us females at times can doubt, can, you know, question whether, you know, we know as much as what they do, but I think focusing on what it is that makes you confident and and belief because what I do know is if you believe in yourself more than anyone else believes in you you can go on and achieve great things so what is it that makes you more confident what is it that probably um wavers your confidence and then how do you manage that what do you put around you um you know what do you spend time doing that that helps you be at your most confident because I do know that any female with any love for the game any passion um, and knowledge is going to do unbelievable things if they actually just believed in themselves. Yeah, and I like that about the, the reference to support. What what I've noticed in this role is those that are delivering weekly girls football is, um, and those that are becoming moving from becoming a parent to a volunteer, they found it a lot more easier of a transition when they've got another like-minded female that they're doing it with. Um, so. I think where clubs can do that, I think, like you say, that would be would be great as well, just to help that support and bounce ideas and almost be a sounding board during what can be a bit of a daunting process starting out as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, brilliant. I mean, there's there's one last one here. Um, so obviously next Thursday, uh, Canada versus England at the Riverside in the uh, Arnold Clark Cup. So what's your what's your thoughts on on the match? Yeah, I mean it's been weird for me. Last I played, I don't know for those who are listening, we played against them in Stoke before the Olympics. That was my first game post working with them. Then we played them. You would have known well, Team GB in the Olympics. So I've had two great games against them so far. I think the timing of this game for us for Canada, a lot of our players are in the NWSL, which are out of season. So you've got all the Europeans that are going to be in season. I think it's going to be a great start to our new journey. Um, it won't be perfect, I know, because we're not. We're, we're almost like starting the season for a lot of our players. But what I do know is England-Canada is always an unbelievable competitive match. Um, it'll be great to see how the team have come along under Serena, because I think they haven't had a real test yet under that regime so you know it'll be interesting but I do know it'll be a phenomenal match and um, we'll give it everything we've got I know England will um, and I hope to see to be honest the northeast always comes out for, for women's football you've got a massive amount of people on the pitch from the northeast and I'm hoping maybe there might be a few fans from concert county Durham there for Canada cheering us on and <laughs> um, maybe try and get a result out of that game. No that's brilliant and I, and I really hope it's a great occasion and and there's a crowd that matches the the match and um no that's something that we're looking forward to here um hopefully there is a a few concert contingent going along with canada flags to support you i hope so we'll need a few in the crowd i think (laughs) 
Well, that's brilliant, Bev. Um, like I say, I really appreciate your time. I thought that was fantastic to really delve into some of your coaching experiences and how that's shaped how you how you lead a nation at the moment. Um, and we wish you all the best. Especially next Thursday. Yeah, I thought I would leave that bit out, but yeah, including next Thursday. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Really appreciate that. Cheers. Thanks a lot, Bev. Thanks.